And we are back in the zone, episode three. Today is a monumental episode as we are going to start with the TLC pay-per-view predictions. You guys excited for this? Very excited. A little bit. <laughs> I mean, I was looking at the match card. 12 matches on this. Is that too many? How long is the pre-show? Uh, probably an hour. Yeah, it's too many. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> unless you're putting four on the pre-show. Then uh, yeah, it's a lot of matches. What was I? What was I saying to you before? I was said like four matches we don't really care about. Maybe five. I feel like half of the card are potential pre-show matches. Yeah, it's just a matter of which ones. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be an en- it's definitely going to be an entertaining show, no doubt about it. Um, I see like three matches that could easily be like match of the night. Um, so we're gonna start with. The chairs match with Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio. I know that these two guys are supposedly legends, but how important are they right now with this current product? They make you think that they're very important because they're featured every fucking week on SmackDown. But in the long run, no one actually cares. Yeah. So my my prediction for this, if I have to just throw it out there, I again, I really don't care, but I'm going to have to go with Randy Orton winning this. I, I, I've heard rumors that they're kind of building Randy Orton to face AJ Styles in the upcoming new year. So wouldn't be surprised if uh, Randy uh, throws a chair at Ray's head and just gets the pinfall. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I think Ray, the big payoff here... Like, we saw Randy Orton tear his mask off. Poor Rey Mysterio had a neck brace. Like, I don't know. Randy Orton's been a sickle. I don't know what he's trying to do to this poor guy that he hasn't done for the last 12 years. But I think the big payoff here is going to be Rey Mysterio finally getting the win. And then after the match, we'll see Randy Orton beat down on him and then keep him strong. But this match, I think no one is in a lose-lose situation. They're both going to gain out of this. And it's, I think Ray's just going to gain with the clean win. Who's to gain the most from this, do you think, going forward? Um, well, based on WrestleMania rumors, I feel like both of them are positioned to be a main focus at the show of Immortals. So, I, I mean, I've heard rumors that Ray may face Andrade, and I've heard Randy will face Styles. So, yeah. I feel like both of them are... The U.S. title picture. Yeah. Because I've heard like five or six names thrown yeah. in there, and he was one <laughs> well, of them. Well, Randy's been a guy for since, I'll say, SummerSlam 2016, where he doesn't need a... Uh, he doesn't need a belt, but he's still a marquee spot on like any card. So he's like a sub-main event type guy. And you could have maybe Randy face AJ in a sub-main event. And then you could have Ray face Andrade and Shinsuke or whatever in the United States. But yeah, both of them are yeah, they're, they're important. Yeah. They're both important right Randy now. and AJ, we haven't really seen that pairing a lot. Like They've been kind of distant. Even since AJ debuted, they've been on the same show. And they had, I think, one match that Orton won. So... I like how they kept them apart, and maybe that this is a match you're building towards. That would be good. So what's your prediction, Pags? <laughs> um, I was going to go with Randy just because since he did um, a few months ago when I guess he turned heel. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been liking what he's doing. It's giving me old-school vibes with him, and I'm going to give him the win over Ray. Keep it going there. The, bike. <laughs> the next match that we will discuss is a match that I am not really interested in but like we said it's a big match it's elias versus bobby lashley in a guitar ladder match so obviously this stipulation heavily favors elias because we have seen in the past when bobby lashley climbs a ladder it's like the slowest thing i've ever seen so you know what i'm gonna go with elias winning this match because i think he needs it more than any i think he needs a win more than any other superstar on this card 
think I've heard his theme maybe 10 times since he's debuted because he never wins. Yeah. And he just, he starts in the ring. So I hear it sometimes and I'm like, oh yeah, he's got That's a theme. A song. He never wins. I don't know. I think in this, yeah. I don't know. What's a stipulation? Like if they get the guitar, they can use it. What kind of stipulation is that? Like you can use a ladder, you can use chairs on the outside, but we're going to go kill each other just to get the guitar that's hanging above the ring. So I think Leo Rush is going to get the guitar, but Elias is going to win the match over Bobby Lashley. Exactly what he said. I My think it's, uh, it's big for Bobby too, because I think either way, they're both in line for a big push, but this match will determine like who gets it first, I guess. I'm going to go Elias in that I, Again, like looking at what we were discussing last week and how there's so many heels on Raw, I feel like Elias needs it right now just to make like Raw make a little more sense because you can't have Lesnar holding the belt. You know, he's barely there. He has the title. He's a top heel. And then you have another guy like Drew who's another top heel who's basically running everyone over. And then you're going to have another guy now, Lashley, who's going to have a big push. But, like, who's he going to feud with? Like, that's the thing. So, I think Elias winning this, yeah, it makes the most sense. And then after that, we have the Finn Balor versus Drew McIntyre singles match. It's It really is a shame that they're in a kind of like a meaningless feud because these two guys are stars. And I mean stars. They could be top five in the business. We've seen Finn Balor put on unreal matches with AJ Styles. We've seen him face Seth Rollins, you know, uh, The Miz, like a lot of great matches with him. And then there's a guy like Drew who basically has been untouchable since coming up to the main roster. So what are you guys' thoughts on this match? Who wins this one? Uh, I mean, it's not completely out of nowhere because Finn's kind of involved in that. uh, I mean, he took on Corbin a few weeks ago and he's been involved with McIntyre and Lashley. So the match, it seems kind of random, but there's there's reasoning behind it. I'm probably going to go with Drew because he literally just lost to Ziggler. First pinfall loss on Raw two weeks ago, so I guess I guess Drew has to go over there. It'll be a sick match for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a great match. And uh, Drew, if he didn't lose to Ziggler on Raw, I think maybe they would have gone with Balor, but they're both going to go into the Royal Rumble as like heavy favorites. Drew mostly will probably be like the big threat in the Royal Rumble match, so I think they're going to use this match to build towards that, and Drew goes over. Do we see a Demon Balor to kind of even the odds? In this match, it would be interesting, but I would think they might save that for maybe like Royal Rumble, WrestleMania type of thing. If they do that for TLC, then that would be like the end of the feud. And I think these two guys are going to carry on past TLC. Very interesting. I, I, I agree with both your guys' comments. I love uh, I love what they have planned for both guys. At least I think they should push both of them for mania season because they're both amazing but i gotta go yeah i gotta go with drew mcintyre here i think he's just he's such a big deal right now he's going to have a monstrous 2019 so i gotta go with drew here um the next match we have is uh the triple threat match for the smackdown tag team championship and uh this is also a t is, is this a tlc match i don't think it is i think it's just a triple threat yeah but wow, that um, should be a TLC. it should that would be that'd be incredible but who do you guys think wins this one all the top three the top three tags in the whole tag division going at it yeah like these three teams are so good and their chemistry no matter what combination they've been really good against each other and a lot of people are comparing this on social media to like what we saw in 2000 with like the hardys the dudleys and edge and christian they have that chemistry there so I'm surprised that that they didn't capitalize on that and put a TLC match or a ladder match or even a table match. I think all of them could work in the stipulation really well. And 
Yeah, I, in this match, I think the bar is going to retain, though. I think they really need to build them up more. The Usos have had it for a while. The New Day have been, like, five-time champs. I think it's time for the bar to have a big win in this rivalry. I was saying before we started, there are so many matches on this card that, like, there's so much talent where we don't care about the result. This is one of those matches because, like, they've been the three best tag teams for the last how many five, years? I'd say five years. Yeah, New Day's least. been rolling since they came in. Uh, I was going to give it to the bar because they've, they've been kind of flying under the radar the last little while. They just have the titles and they're kind of there, but the New Day and the Usos are doing it every week on SmackDown. So I think a surprise win by the bar will throw everyone off. I'm going to go against both you guys, and I'm going to say the Usos win this. I think um, they've been on the back burner for quite some time, and I feel like they need this win more than anyone else right now to kind of – they're already legitimate contenders. We've seen it over the last, like, five years, four years, however long they've been dominant on SmackDown. But, yeah, I feel like ever since their face turn, uh, they haven't been as dominant. So I feel like the Usos winning this here would definitely, I think, cement themselves again as the top tag team on SmackDown. And quite frankly, over the last couple of weeks, I think the Usos have been the best tag team. So I'm going to go with the Usos winning this. And uh, I, I, I really want to see the New Day disband very soon. I, I want to see Big E kind of move on to bigger and better things. But what about, uh, what about Woods? Him too, him too. But uh, I, again, we we t- we joke all the time. If the new day breaks up, Kofi Kingston's career is done. Yeah, I would. I want to see him win a big title one day. But no, no he's way. His age. I think the other two have more to gain from a breakup than Kofi. I just I I want to see the new day just kind of disband so we can just see the Usos in the bar just go for like three months. Like remember two years ago when we saw the new day and the Usos like three months in a row of just like five star <laughs> matches. Yeah. Remember that Hell in a Cell match? Oh yeah, around that time. That was yeah. in, that was incredible. But yeah, I'm gonna go with the Usos winning this one, and uh, don't be surprised if this is match of the night. That's oh, all yeah. I'm saying. I wouldn't be surprised. The next match we have is a tables match: Natalia versus Ruby Riot. We saw on Raw that they went full on. They went overboard with this. They love the death angles. They, they. I mean, I don't. I personally don't like it. I think it's kind of a another cheap way to get heat, but a lot of people love it in the fact that. This is now adding heat to the fire and, you know, you're, you're getting Ruby over as a really good uh, heel and we all know that she's the future. So, you know what, this match, I, I can't see Ruby losing, even though the whole, like the, the father, I, I, I can't see Ruby losing this. I can't. So if the Riot Squad comes out, who does Natalia have for backup? Nobody. Is that why Ruby wins then? Because <laughs> that's what I'm going with. I mean... Yeah, like you, I can't just see Ruby beating Natalia, like just throwing her through her fa- like a table with her father. Like I can't see that, but yeah, I can see the ride squad coming out and basically beating the shit out of Natalia, and then Natalia basically is looking for help, and it's like, oh, like Ronda's facing Nia later on in the night. Why would she come out and help me? Sure. And then maybe that could signal a heel turn for Natalia. I don't know. You could have like a Natalia versus Ronda at Royal Rumble. I don't know, something like that. Oh, I don't know if that'll sell. I don't, I don't know there's either. A, but there's a, There is a possibility. You guys both mentioned Natalia's not going to have anyone in her corner. Ronda's in another match. So look for this match to take place earlier on the card. And I think Natalia's going to win this just because, like, that cheap heat that Ruby Riot got. So the Riot Squad will come out, I'm saying. And uh, Natalia will probably get both of them to hit each other through a table or something. <laughs> win the match. Later on, Tamina's going to be in Ronda's corner. Natalia, what if she comes down and that's how that whole heel turn starts and we see Ronda and Natalia go it from there. 
I, I like that. I didn't even think of that. Actually, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. But I, yeah, I got go. I got. I don't know. I don't see Natalia winning. Yeah. I see Ruby winning. Yeah, if she stays as a face, I don't see her winning. Like that's a plan. But if they're going with a heel turn, I think they have to like start it in this match, or else it won't be. There will be meaningless from there. I just feel so bad for Ruby because here is a star in the women's division that is basically being held back yeah. because of people like Nia Jax and Ronda Rousey. If Natty wins, I don't. Like, it won't go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it never does whenever they decide to roll with her. It's a tough spot. It's a tough spot. She's got a lot of potential, though, so who but, knows where they'll go from there. With like, that. again, like going back to the Elias and Lashley match, like, a lot of fans look at this as, like, a throwaway match, but there's actually, like, big stipulations for, like, in, like, the long run for these superstars. Like, the Rikes, like, Ruby specifically, like, they lose a lot, much yeah. like Elias, so they got to break out at some point. Like, Liv Morgan and... Sarah Logan, they haven't had the same amount of success as Ruby Riot, so uh, something's holding them down, but one of them is going to have to step up in the future. Like we saw in SmackDown with like Absolution when Paige left, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville have elevated their game, so I haven't really seen that from Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, or yeah, Sarah Logan and Liv Morgan. It's very similar. It yeah. rhymes, yeah, it rhymes. Yeah, it's like a law firm over there, Morgan and Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the next match we have is the Mixed Match Challenge Finals, guys. Oh, wow, God. this is amazing. This is going to be match of the night. No, it's definitely not. So you have Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox versus R-Truth and Carmella, and the winner of this match will be uh, the number 30 spot in the Royal Rumble. Thoughts on that? I don't have thoughts. I'll give you my winner, though. R-Truth, Carmella. I'm done. Will we see a dance break in this match at any point? Probably like, okay, I'm going back and forth because I was thinking about this match. Like, if they had The Miz and Asuka in this, it would have made sense because those are two big names. You could have number 30 in the Royal Rumble. But Jinder Mahal is a former champ. Alicia Fox, like, if they come out at number 30, that's a big spot in the Rumble. It's going to be a whole buzzkill if all the surprise <laughs> entrants come out. Let's say The Rock is in the Rumble at, like, number 15 or something. Number 30, who's coming out? A legend? Taker? No, Jinder Mahal is coming out. <laughs> or uh, R-Truth is coming out. Number 30 to have a dance break. So, you know what? You know what? I don't know. You know what, you know what I read uh, on an article? I don't remember who, who it is, but they said that uh, if R-Truth and Carmella win, you basically have like that dance, that whole dance break at number 30. Like yeah. you come out and like, everyone starts dancing and shit. And another thing that I heard was our truth would come out number 30 in the women's rumble. <laughs> <laughs> and like that would be and then like later on in the night he comes out in the men's and they get that's like a cheap pop yeah, right there. Funny. So, you know what? I got I love that idea. I think our truth and Carmella should win this yeah. because Jinder Mahal I think is out of the company soon and Alicia Fox <laughs> is just worthless. And she's been there so long so like She's going to be one of those people that are going to come out like number 10 or like Carmella, I don't think they're going to put in the beginning to last a whole rumble just for she's a face and there's not too many of them. So they're going to want a lot of heels in that part. So I think Carmella comes out number 30 with R-Truth. I I mean, I love Carmella, so I want to see her at 30. I I think that'd be pretty good. So uh, the next match after that is the Intercontinental Championship match between Seth and Dean. Again, I don't think this is a... This is a stipulation, I don't think. I think it's just a singles match, one-on-one. I wouldn't be surprised if it's one of those where during the match, all of a sudden, one of them grabs a kendo stick, and it's like, oh, this so it's a no-DQ match, but it wasn't announced. Like, you know, like, we've seen that in the past. Who do you guys think wins this? I really, I've said to Piniella before that I really love Dean, but I don't like him as the champion. I like him chasing it. Yeah. So, I mean, I want to say Seth wins, but based off of, Monday's Raw, I really am 100% going with Dean here, taking the IC title, and this is where Seth kind of 
elevates into the main event scene uh, going forward into the Royal Rumble. What are you guys' thoughts on this? That's probably going to happen, but I think Seth will retain, and then they'll drag this out maybe for another month up until the Rumble. And then uh, he can deal with the then, and then you can get Seth into the universal title picture. But for now, I, I say he retains the IC title and another potential show stealer, and they just keep it going. Um, I love what they're doing. There's a lot of mixed reactions on, like, Dean's character. Oh, and yeah. Right here. Right here. Yeah. Right here. I'm Don't like it. It's so it's so friggin' weird, and it's so different. I just, I'm all in for it. I want to see it going. So Seth retains. Do you guys want to talk about that goofy promo Seth Rollins cut on uh, Monday Night Raw? We came out and, uh, yeah, Vince McMahon is writing this, so it can't be off script for Seth Rollins to do that. And then he's, like, talking about the writers. The next day, he's commenting on a guy who's saying how hard it is to write a three-hour Raw. And then he's saying, I sympathize with you. It's so hard to write. If only anyone understood. After you just shoot on, like, their whole writing team and creative saying, oh, this show sucks, you're saying, oh, my God, it's so hard to write a three-hour Raw, like, they don't know what it's like. so, And then he brings up Brock Lesnar's contract on top. Like, I bet if uh, Vince McMahon offered Seth Rollins that same deal, that cushy, uh, oh, they're taking you want to uh, – Oh, match, yeah, 100% yeah. He's matches a year. You want to do it? Yeah, you know, I, I want to take more bombs and, like, ruin my brain just to, like <laughs> – I love the people. It's, it, it's, it's one of those where Seth has been a guy where he's been the best. Yeah. At least for three years. I would say since his 2015 run where he had the both titles – He's basically been a top three talent in the business for three years yeah. now. The biggest downfall to him is his mic work. Yeah. And we saw it on Monday. And this is where everyone is kind of against him being in the main event against Lesnar because both guys kind of can't really talk that well. Yeah. Rollins can, but to a certain extent. Seth can carry, though, if he has to. And then you need Heyman to like, He could, but like his, his mic work as a heel was a lot better. Like as a face, I feel like it's kind of forced where he's like, oh, I'm the yeah. guy. Like, you know I what I mean? I feel like it's like that with most faces because they're, they're trying to perceive like a certain character. Yeah, like you have to stick to a certain character more when you're a face than a heel. Just seems more natural as a heel, I guess. Yeah. Because everyone's just a dick, so it just comes out. That's why Dean is so good at his character. He's able to, when he's a face, he in his promos, he was able to like really make you think this guy is a good face. And then he's able to flip that switch to a heel. But Seth Rollins, I don't know, like there's something about his mic work as a face that's not really clicking. Maybe you can, like with Paul Heyman, you'd be able to work off him, but... That's why I think Dean Ambrose wins this match, and then Seth Rollins goes into the Royal Rumble as that underdog chasing uh, Drew McIntyre. Well, I've also heard rumors that Rollins could potentially even win the Royal Rumble, too. So that's another kind of, like, that's why I could see Dean winning, because, like, Dean is a guy right now where he's not positioned to be a Royal Rumble favorite. Like, he's not in that position right now where Seth Rollins... He's had a great 2018, and I think he deserves at least a great beginning to 2019. So I'll say... Dean Ambrose wins this, and this makes Seth Rollins move on to bigger and better things. Love the it. next match we have is a TLC match between Braun, Stro Braun Strowman and Baron Corbin. And there's a lot at stake in this match. If Strowman wins, he gets a universal title shot at the Royal Rumble. And if Baron Corbin wins, um, he becomes permanent general manager of Raw. Also, if Strowman wins, Corbin obviously is stripped of all authority. So... I think this is a very uh, predictable match. I think Strowman wins this. I don't see Baron winning this at all. But Corbin just lost to Rollins on Raw, and sometimes that means that he could get a win. Maybe, you know, Strowman uh, with this elbow injury, it's, uh, I don't know, like it's yeah. an excuse for him to lose. But no, nah, I'm, I'm going full on Braun Strowman wins this, and he gets a universal title shot at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll say the same. In the, the last, like, month or so since uh, since he got injured, whenever they did that, 
promo oh, when yeah. he's like naked on the bed there on the Tron. I don't know. I don't remember when it was. I think but it was yeah, three been, weeks ago. So they've been building it every week. Like, oh, Strowman's not here. And then Corbin talks shit. And then so and then when that kind of happens, you kind of assume that the good guy's going to get the win in the end. And I really hope that's the case because Corbin is sucking the life out of everything. But it's not his fault. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> and yeah, I agree. But with uh, Strowman, I don't know if he's clear. Like, it depends if he's cleared in time. But if he's not, like, they're going to need a backup plan. Does Kurt Angle come back and face Corbin for, like, broad general manager position maybe but i think corbin might get the upper hand in this because there's going to be six weeks between t- uh, monday after tlc and the royal rumble so if lesnar's not going to be on raw the majority of the time they need to build something towards that so in that six weeks i think Strowman finds a way to get the number one contender spot and corbin will be the gm of raw i mean yeah i could see that happening if if Strowman's not able to compete but i really hope he is because yeah. <laughs> I want to see Strowman in a TLC match. That'd be that'd be amazing. Throwing chairs and ladders all around. But yeah, so you say Baron wins. Yeah, I'm going to just go off the board. Go with Baron Corbin on that one, the constable. Very interesting. The next match we have, now we're getting down to the, the, the really good stuff. We have, well, this is not really good, but we have the Raw <laughs> Women's title, Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. I'm not even going to talk a lot about this. Ronda Rousey for me wins this because Nia Jax... This is just a wash for me. I'm All right, next. I agree. I agree. <laughs> Tamina's going to get involved, and uh, Ronda's going to put her in the armbar. Scoop slam, armbar, it's over. The only thing I could see coming out of this storyline-wise is, like you said, if Natalia yeah, comes out and turns heel. I can't so, really see anything else. The material, I'll say for the material they have, it's really good stuff. Like when in Nia's promos, it's just yeah. her delivery. It's not there, and she doesn't come off as believable, and she seems unsure when she speaks. She but like, there's a lot of good stuff there. It's just not the delivery's not there for me, and the screaming. Oh my god, <laughs> that scared the crap. I have the volume on high, and then <laughs> she comes on, and it scares the shit out of me. I was looking at my phone, looking down. All of a sudden, oh yeah, she's kind of hear this loud scream. I'm like, what the hell oh, happened? There? I'm like, oh my god, man. So we both, so we all, so we all agree with Ron. <laughs> yeah, Ron is winning. <laughs> I don't see Nia winning. All right, up next is the WWE Championship match. We have Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. This is just a singles match, <laughs> which kind of upsets me because the last couple weeks we've seen a very vicious Daniel Bryan, fickle, fickle. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm really, really invested in the Daniel Bryan character right now. I'm also very invested in AJ Styles' chase to win back the title. But I don't see him winning. I see Daniel Bryan winning this in screwy fashion. Say, uh, Daniel Bryan retains the exact same way how he won the title. So he'll low blow him. Mainly because it is just a one-on-one standard match. So you can you can do that element again. And I think they will because it's a screwy finish and he's a heel. So why not? <laughs> Would you have The Miz come out here and cost AJ Styles? You threw me off there. That's, that's a great question. Because he, he, he's been involved like... He's been involved before with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. We've seen that. It's because he's he's doing this thing with Shane. But like they're not so on the card though. That's kind of why I'm I'm only asking that. The Miz isn't on the card. When was the last time you said that? I don't know, but he's a huge star and he has to be involved somehow. Man, I'm gonna say no, even though I really want to see that happen because I think he's gonna eventually get there. But I don't. He has he has to get there. The Miz. I don't think he's interfering in the match. I think. At least I could not. see him interfering. I think he'll interfere. And help Daniel Bryan just That's to prove I, to Shane, you know what, I can be a team player. Because Shane McMahon didn't like The Miz, and then he wants to be his best friend. He put his hand out, and then the uh, Shane McMahon didn't want to shake his hand. The Miz looked like he was going to cry, the poor guy. And 
yeah, maybe this is his way of showing I can get along with everyone. He's going to go help Daniel Bryan retain and uh, the new Daniel Bryan fickle. So does that set up uh, a triple threat then for the Rumble? Yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, my in a perfect world, I would have Daniel Bryan go on the lengthy run, I'd say till Mania, and I would save the triple threat for Mania. And I'd maybe even have The Miz win the Royal Rumble. That would be good. See, that's why I don't see him interfering because it's like it's another four months yeah. of those three in the same story. So if they can drag it on a little bit and then insert The Miz in, awesome. I think that's where <laughs> Shane's going to come in because – I, don't, I hope to God Shane's not part of this WWE title match. Holy shit, so no. Like, I think he's been a part of enough big matches. It's like, he needs to chill. He's uh, he's up there. We, we don't want to see him in this match. But if he's part of the storyline to get there, I would like to see that happen. Maybe him as a heel, helping his former general manager, Daniel Bryan. And the, that would lead to The Miz. But I, I want to see that triple threat. That would be really good. I, I, I See, like the WWE Championship match is just so fun right now in that there's so many possibilities you could see The Miz come out. You could see Shane come out. You could see both come out. There's a lot of scenarios here. So um, you could maybe even have Randy Orton come out during the match, and that signals a Orton-Styles feud. I don't know. I have no idea. Like, it's it, there's a lot of different things that could happen here. I've also heard rumors that they want to do Brian versus Ray for one pay-per-view before Mania. Like, leading up, to, like, for, like, the title shots. Probably, like, have yeah. Ray versus Brian. Yeah. Elimination is, Chamber, maybe? Is that, is it, is that or Fastlane? Oh, uh, I think they well, from oh, now, yeah, yeah. From they got rid of um, no. From now on, isn't it? Isn't it like both shows now? They're all together. Yeah, now. but like I remember, they had Elimination Chamber, and the Fastlane was a live event at one point, and then they shit Roadblock, <laughs> or like they threw all these events together. But I think they just have Elimination Fastlane, Chamber yeah, now, or Elimination Chamber, and yeah, who knows? But <laughs> <laughs> whatever is before WrestleMania, I hope is like something. So we all say Daniel Bryan retains interference or not. Yeah. Yes. Okay, perfect. <laughs> and then I save this for last because I think this should main event. The triple threat TLC match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. You have Becky, Asuka, Charlotte. Who wins this? Asuka. And wow. That, that better main event, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it has to main event. <laughs> uh, I said Asuka last week, and then after watching SmackDown the, this previous week, and then she was the one standing on top, and then I'm just like, oh, shit, maybe she's not going to win. But <laughs> I'm going to stick with it. Just, just like uh, the bar just kind of throws everyone off. And then for me, like you said, with uh, Ambrose, the chase, for me, that's it with Becky. That's uh, yeah. very enticing to me. So the chase to Mania will uh, Well, Mania will well based her. on SmackDown, Becky was definitely the face. She was getting cheered yeah. heavily. It's so hard to tell with her and Charlotte. Yeah, like you know tough. what they are, but they, the fans are all over the place. They're in the like in between now at the, that point. But it's finally getting to the sense where if you're good, you get cheered, and it it always should have been like that. It, like like people, I remember people were booing Eddie Guerrero. I'm like, why the fuck are you booing Eddie Guerrero for? Why are you booing Kurt Angle? Yeah. Like uh, Eddie Guerrero wanted to take Rey Mysterio's son in custody. <laughs> I love that. That, 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 that storyline. Yeah, that was amazing. Even the Kurt Angle. Do you remember Kurt Angle, yeah. Booker T? He's like, I want to have sex with your wife. <laughs> so really? Picture that now with oh like Daniel God. Bryan and like oh my <laughs> Nikki or Brie Bella. <laughs> Anyways, I'm going to go with uh, – I think I'm gonna go with Charlotte winning this. I don't see I don't see Becky retaining because again I do like the chase and I just I have Becky slated to win the Royal Rumble. So uh, if we if we're talking about Royal Rumble predictions, remember that comment because that's what I'm gonna say in the next video. Becky wins the Royal Rumble, but yeah I, I think Charlotte wins. Uh, 
She's coming off a huge match against Ronda at Survivor Series and basically cemented herself as one of the most dangerous women on the on the roster. So I like what they did with Asuka and making her look like a real threat on SmackDown, beating the shit out of both of them. Yeah. I don't see Asuka winning this um, just bas- basically because like her transcendence kind of came out of nowhere. It really did. Like it went, she went from nothing to now like yeah. winning the, the the title. I don't I don't see it happening. So I'm gonna go with Charlotte Flair winning because every time I've said Charlotte wins, she wins. Yeah, <laughs> got a good track record. Like I'll never forget last year at Mania. Uh, everyone's like, no, Oscar's winning. It's her streak. I'm like, but it's Charlotte yeah. Flair and it's WrestleMania. Charlotte wins <laughs> and she won. So you know what? Ever since that prediction, Charlotte wins this. I'm gonna go with Piniello on this one with Oscar because like he said that. They really made her look strong on SmackDown. And since she won the Royal Rumble and lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania, they haven't really, like, she's been lost in the shuffle on SmackDown. And now this is, like, a big moment for her. And TLC is a big match. And if she wins this, now Becky's going in the Royal Rumble. They need a big storyline or else it's going to be the same every year. We saw last year it was a big moment because it was the first Women's Royal Rumble. We never saw that before. Now for the second one, they need to have something to make people care about it. So if they have Becky in the Rumble... Everyone's going to want to cheer for her and root on her to like win the match and face Ronda at WrestleMania. So I think that's why Becky drops the title. All great predictions. Uh, that's TLC, as we all know, is this Sunday. Stay tuned, guys, because uh, this should be a very good uh, event. And uh, yeah, that's all we have for TLC. So moving on, we will be discussing quickly, very quickly, some NHL news. And this news is old news technically because he's been doing this for basically a decade and a bit. Ovi leads the league in goals again, coming off a hat trick last week. Guys, he's four goals ahead of Braden Point at 25 in 30 games. When is Ovi going to slow down? When he retires, because he's not going to slow down. That is a generational goal scorer, and he'll probably put up 50 goals next year too. And he's just going to continue to do it. But, like, how many goals does he put up this year? He's at 25 and 30. What do you have last year? 49? 49. But he had a, like, I'm, I think there was last year at one time he had a, like, eight-game goalless streak. Yeah, there was that slow point during the year. I remember that. But this year, like, I think he hasn't gone more than, like, three games without a goal. So he's looking very consistent. And his line mates, Backstrom's having a bounce back year. He's at, like, 40 points now. Uh, I've been fantasy. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> the one year that Pinello does not draft Ovechkin. Don't oh, talk to man. me. <laughs> like I just want to, I I just want to quickly talk about his numbers because it's crazy. He's at six. Was he's at six fifty now? I think or he's eleventh all time in goals. He's thirty three years old. It's crazy. He's thirty three years old. Wayne Gretzky, I think, finished with eight hundred ninety four goals, which is. A safe bet for first all-time ever. I mean, you look at his stats, no one could really touch it. The only guy that could have was a guy that had cancer for most of his career, Mario Lemieux. Ovi, guys, to me, I think he could easily pass Wayne Gretzky's goal totals. I think it's not out of reach. What do you guys think on that? Okay, 30. He's just got to play, really. He doesn't have to score 50 every year. But, like, Ovi's also an Ironman. So if he can play another six, seven years, maybe, 30, 40 goals, because he's... He's gonna. He's not gonna score 50 every single year, like towards the end. But by that point, if he uh, for the next three years he gets another 40 goal season, and then yeah, I think he'll be there. I don't know if he'll pass Gretzky though. It's it's close. I think he'll be top three though. Yeah, Easily. it's really close because 
Gretzky played until he was 39, I think. 30, yeah, like 30, 39, yeah, yeah, 1999, yeah. So right now, Ovechkin's at 33, so he's got six years now to get – if he could get close to it, that's even incredible. To get 200 too. goals, yeah, that's not – Because now the game, you're not allowed to get away with as much as you were back then. So Gretzky did it. It was probably much harder because you're allowed to, like, poke guys from behind, hold and grab. Ovechkin, if he can do it in this era the way it is now, that would be incredible. And I, like Peniel said, he's just got to play that amount of time. And he won't get 50 every year, but towards like the end when he's like 37, 38, 39, if he can get like 25 to 30 every year, he might even pass Gretzky. That's insane. You said 894? I think so, yeah, all time. All right. Another question that I have to ask because there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys at 20 goals right now. Eight guys at 20 goals. And then another two here at 19, probably more. How many 50-goal scores can we potentially see this season? Because McKinnon's at 20, Pavelski's at 20, Laine's at 21, Pasternak's at 21, Points at 21. And all these guys, to me, as I've watched as the season has progressed, they, they're not slowing down. Like, there's some goal scores, like you have the Jeff Skinner, you have maybe the Landis Cog. They will slow down. Even Braden Point should maybe slow down. Yeah. But, like, Pavelski has gotten 40 before. Line A could get 50. I think he will get 50. Ovi, 50. Pasternak just keeps scoring. So last year, we did not see a 50-goal score. Do we see – how many 50-goal scores do we see this year? Do we see more than three? Do we see zero? Do we see five? Like, it's crazy how the points have, have skyrocketed. Remember three years ago, Jamie Benn led yeah, the league with, crazy. like, 87 points. Yeah, and then there's this guy that emerges named Connor McDavid. Gets 100 points every year. You had Kane get 106 that year, but consistently now it's like I could see eight guys getting 100 points this year, and that is just that brings back 05 vibes. That brings back Joe Sackick, Joe Thornton, Jonathan Chichu, (laughs) Danny Healy. (laughs) Oh, Heater was Heater was insane. Oh man, but yeah, how many how many 50 goal scores do we see this year? I'm gonna predict. Two, Ovechkin and Laine. It's the most basic answer, and I'm sorry for that. <laughs> it's all good. But they're all like, how many guys had 40 last year? Probably like three. Like there were yeah. so Maybe many, four. So Ovi many guys are like yeah. right there. Lee, I think Anders Lee had 40 last oh, year. Oh, yeah. He could have had like yeah. 60. <laughs> he, like the Islanders did nothing for two months. It's but, uh, it's crazy, man. And honestly, it's so I'll crazy. I'll two get in the 50s, yeah. I'm going to go with. I, I do think Ovi and Laine, they are going to get past 50 this year. They were both close to it last year, but guys that can be like three and four, Braden Point hasn't slowed down. I think he can pass 40, so there's maybe a potential. Austin Matthews has like, when he's playing, he's got... Like, he can get yeah, 60 goals. He was at 15 <laughs> and 14, so that's like crazy. So if he even plays like 60 games or 58... No way. Up, never. No <laughs> gets, way. Can you imagine the amount of... Like the circus at uh, Scotiabank Arena, if Austin Matthews gets 50 and 58 this year. Oh my God. That brings Brett Hall vibes. Yeah. And he was in an era where scoring was like it was easier. You could put that on a t shirt. But yeah. it's crazy because you're saying Lion Aovi. You're, you're bringing up Braden Point. We haven't even talked about guys that have solidified themselves as 40 goal scorers, like Tarasenko, yeah, Sagan. Exactly. Yeah. We haven't, we haven't heard of them at all. Tarasenko, okay, the Blues this year. Yeah, that's kind that's of forget one of the about it. Why. I'll give him a pass, Tarasenko, yeah. this year. He's good, but the team, he's playing with Bozak. 
like Phil Kessel. Now you know what that guy had to deal with, <laughs> anchoring that. So you imagine uh, Tarasenko, what he's doing. He's a goal scorer, and he doesn't have that playmaking ability. Like Ryan O'Reilly's a two-way guy. He is yeah. the definition of a hockey player. Yes. And like that's why you don't have that. Like Paul Stasny, he was able to like work with Tarasenko. He has enough skill to like be playmaking. If you have Bozak and O'Reilly, they're like the same type of two-way guy. There's only so much you can do with that. So that's why Tarasenko, I think, is out of that conversation. Also, another guy that could potentially get 50, and we haven't mentioned his name, is Connor McDavid. He's out, I think, 18 right now. I think I'll put him there every year. Yeah. Um, another guy, just want to quickly discuss, um, Steven Stamkos. He's been on fire lately. Can we see him get 50 goals? I think those days might be over, but an- another point-per-game season is definitely not out of the question. Again, like, even... A guy like Nikita, I think Kucherov had 40 last year. And this year he has like 13 goals. And he has point. like 35 assists. Yeah, yeah, third in points, right? Already. Oh, he, he the last month? Oh my God. Braden Kucherov points. has been a freak. <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, off those guys and getting all the points off it. And all those goals, Braden Point. He's in a good contract. Stamkos is starting to fade in the lineup when it comes to yeah. fantasy. And that's, that's definitely. That's I've never thought I'd say that. <laughs> um, the last guy I want to talk about in terms of goals, Pasternak. Because he's been a guy that we've seen over the last three years. Destroy the Leafs, destroy the Habs, destroy Tampa, destroy basically everybody. We saw last year in the postseason, he had 21 points in 12 games. So kind of leading from that, from the postseason to now, I haven't really seen a guy with as much flash, as much poise, and as much, he just look, he makes it look effortless. So comfortable. He's at 21 goals now, not playing with Bergeron. If Bergeron was here, would he be leading the league in points? Because he's been injured for a month, Bergeron. And like, it's been a month already, eh? Yeah. <laughs> also, Bergeron, before he got injured, I think he was top five in scoring, which is something that no one really talks about. Best line in hockey, arguably. I think so. Well, other than the, the Colorado yeah, line. I think Rantanen, <laughs> what Rantanen's been able to do, that's insane. This brings me to the, my last question on the NHL. Any So wh- who has been your biggest surprise thus far this season? I still think Rantanen. I never thought he'd be in this position that he is this year. Like last year, I thought, okay, wow, he's finally coming up. But I never thought he'd be leading the league. Like, it's crazy to me. I thought maybe Tavares and Marner. Marner's even been a bit surprised because he's had like a ton of points playing with Tavares. So I'm still going to go with Rantanen on that. It's not much of a surprise, but for me, it still kind of baffles me. But like Blake Wheeler, as good as he is, he just continues to get better. And obviously everyone knows he's one of the dominant players in the league. He gets older, he just gets better. And I'm like, when's he going to fall off? And then he just he gets more points the next year. So I guess Wheeler for me is a bit of a surprise, even though I kind of expected a decent year. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm going off the board here. I mean, I have two guys, which kind of isn't fair. But the first to me is Matt Kachuk, because he is a guy that's kind of like the first two years. It's like, OK, you're kind of going to be in a role where you're a top six forward but you're basically like a second line power play like you're not getting as much offense as you want and getting drafted I didn't really see a shit ton of offense of offensive potential like I saw the offensive potential but I didn't see him being over a point a game and right now he has 37 in 32 games and I think right now he's on the second line with the guys like Backlund and Neal and if he's getting over a point a game playing with Backlund and Neal, like only imagine if he were to jump Lindholm and fit and be with Goudreau and Monaghan. Like I, yeah. I don't give, know how many he'd have. She give Lindholm some love after getting like three forty point seasons. He, yeah, 
Well, he, yeah, him too, but I'm only saying Kachuk because he's playing with Backlund and Neal. And he's still like a kind of a new player in the league. He hasn't been there for like 10 years. Like Yeah, and like, and, I, and I've completely forgot. I was watching a game and Kachuk's already an assistant captain. I was like, Jesus. That's got crazy. Nice and of course, obviously, the other guy for me is Braden Point. I didn't think he'd have 21 goals, 41 points. Uh, he's sixth in, in the league in scoring and second round pick in 2014 he just keeps getting better captain canada i remember we raved about him last year we did yeah. a podcast oh yeah because he player. did he have 70 last year he was amazing yeah. last year yeah he, he had a lot of, yeah he started off like this year but he didn't have as much goals obviously but he picked it up again like he had a slow point during the year and then he really picked it up later on like at the time when we looked at him because we didn't know a whole lot about him like he's yeah he's a really good two-way player really smart guy you can rely on and now we're seeing this offensive breakout, and it's like, holy shit, this guy's a name. We're going to hear him for he's a just, time. He's, he's one of those hockey players where, he, like, we've talked about guys like Lindholm and Monaghan and O'Reilly. Like, they don't have a lot of flaws in their game. And Braden Point is that type of guy yeah, where, like, he impacts offensively, he impacts defensively. Like, basically, last year, remember when we did the whole breakout star? In his rookie year, he had 40 and 68. And it's like, you kind of look at that, it's like, that's like a 60-point kind of rookie year if he played a full year and that's that's saying and he was a third third liner yeah (laughs) and then last year he had 32 goals in his sophomore year and a lot of people in their sophomore year kind of you know they're not you know they're not as effective but again he had 32 goals last year he's already at 21 and 32 this year so like sky's the limit for me with this guy i would even give him an assistant captain he looks like that leader he can even be a captain i think on a few teams, yeah. On a few teams, yeah. So, you so you say, so you say Wheeler, you say Rantanen. Yeah, now that I say Rantanen, though, like I haven't really thought about this, but Elias Pettersson has been phenomenal. Like, talk about the Sedins leaving Vancouver, and now they have this new young star just come in their lineup. Like, he surprised me too. Like, on top of Rantanen, the one, the one guy that basically changes the whole rookie outlook is this guy. Yeah, he comes in the league. Where he got drafted in 2017, and I told our one of our good friends, Steve, shout out Steve, he's a big Vancouver fan. <laughs> he said, I remember when he got drafted, I looked at everyone, I'm like, this is this could be an outstanding pick, or this could be a terrible pick. Like, yeah. like it's it's just one of those picks where like it, it felt like a reach to take Pedersen. Even when unknown. even yeah. when Anderson got drafted seventh, I'm like, I don't know about that. But like they were so smart in keeping him back for one year in the SHL and he led the SHL in points, something that guys like Sundin and Forsberg could never do. And they're hall of famers. So Pedersen's expectations coming in for his first year were probably one of the biggest since like McDavid, like he had that type of effect and yeah, he hasn't missed a beat. Like I think he's over a point a game too. He's also scoring more than I thought he would. I thought he'd be more of like that assist machine. Pedersen, he, uh, he really came out. <laughs> he, de- he definitely changes the definition of rookie. Yeah. I think, like, if you, like, l- like search the term rookie, it should be, like, 40 points. Like, it should be, like, you're effective, but you're not the best player on your team. I think that's what I said for him coming into the year. <laughs> like, he'll be second-line center. They're not going to be good. He might get 50. We'll see. Yeah, but we've been saying that for so long, though. Even Barzell, I'm like, yeah, he'll get, like, 50 points. Yeah, he only got 84 and, oh, led God. and like, came, like, fourth and scored. Like, what? You You're a rookie. You shouldn't be doing that. That's why people – it's like, oh, um, so what is the peak now for players? I literally look at them. I'm like, it could be 20. Yeah. Your peak could be at 20 years old, whereas 
I don't know, when we first started our fantasy hockey like five years ago, six years ago, peak was 27, 28. Like people are in their prime now at 20. It's like, what? At 27, you're washed up. Yeah, you're old. <laughs> it's crazy. But yeah, Elias Peterson or Pedersen or whatever the hell you say his name. <laughs> it's uh, It doesn't matter how I say his name because he's so, he's so good. It doesn't he matter how I say it, his I name. Real quick, quick uh, who's the second guy in line for that? That, see that yeah. we don't care because because yeah. Pedersen's winning it. So it doesn't matter because Rasmus Dahlin was like when I th- actually thought when he'd come in he'd have like an incredible year that what Pedersen's having right now. But Pedersen's been running away with the Calder since the first like five games of the year when he just broke out and there's no catching. Mind you, he just had a five point night not too long yeah, ago. So, so he's I'm too a, good. I'm gonna put Heiskin in for second since Klingberg's been out. Guy's been logging half the game almost. He's a beauty. I'll put him runner up. So, <laughs> so I just want to ask this question. One last question. When it comes to rookies, what should we look at in the future for expectations? Because like guys like Pedersen, guys like Dolan, guys like Barzell, they come in the league now. Like rookies come in this league and they literally just dominate. And like we've seen some rookies that haven't done like Patrick and Hisher, like they haven't yeah, kind of dominated. Slower. But then, like, it's like night and day. Then you see guys like Pedersen and Barzell. They just come in the league, and they're literally like, okay, this is the best you have. Like, I'm basically over a point a game here. So, like, for next year, for the year after, for this upcoming draft, like, what should we expect as hockey fans with these rookies? Like, that's my question. Like, I don't – because me as a hockey fan, I've been watching it for – since I was three years old. The term rookie for me means – they have the up. They have the the best potential, but like the first couple of years, like you got to kind of be assigned to this role and kind of keep rolling with it, like how Braden Point did. Yeah. But like now, you see guys like Pedersen, like they come in the league and they're stars like right away. So should we expect that more often now? I want to say yes because the way the game is trending, if you look at a lot of the teams, their best players are all in their early twenties, yeah. and they're in their prime apparently, which is now twenty to twenty-five or whatever number you want to put on it. So. Yeah, there might be a little more expectations for rookies coming into the league. I would think, like, at least live up to your billing. Like, if you're going to be a power forward when you're drafted and everyone has these high hopes for you and you make the lineup, I'd hope that you're that power forward in your first year. Like, not get, like, 90 points, but be your role. Don't try to be, like, Know your role and shut your mouth. (laughs) Don't don't be, like, a guy, okay, I'm a two-way defenseman or defensive defenseman, but I want to try and get 95 points and start scoring. That's not your role. So be the best you can be at your role that the team assigns you, and then that's how the call there, like Pedersen. He's a skilled guy. He's living up to it. He's scoring. He's making his teammates better. So if you're going to be that defenseman that wants to get that call there, be the best defensive defenseman you can be, and you'll be in that discussion of what a good rookie should be in the league. Well, because I've looked at guys like Dahlin and Heiskanen, and it's like they're putting up like quietly offensive numbers. Like They both have like 18 points already, whereas like – I think Ekblad in his rookie year had like 39, yeah, and he came second in the, in the Calder voting. But like if a guy like Heiskanen and 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 Dahlin can get like 50 points in their first year as a defenseman, like that's that's a yeah. big deal because you don't see a lot of D in their first year get that. Uh, okay, well unless you're Ghost, because I think he had like 50 something, 58. I don't know, but he's all offensive. Where you have guys like Heiskanen and Dahlin who are kind of changing yeah. how defensemen are looked because they're two-way and they're dominant like in their first year. You know what I mean? Like We've seen over the years how impactful these guys can be. I just I want to like ask both of you guys like if this is going to be a consistent thing because like it's amazing. Like to me, For me, Pedersen's the runaway for the Calder. I think he's winning it. I think it's set in stone. 
But again, you have guys like Heiskin and Adalin who are doing things that we've never seen from the rookie defensemen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Dahlin and Heiskanen, ever since Klingberg got injured, they're logging like 27 a night. And like, the whole weight is on them. It's like, yeah, you guys are rookies, but like, here, just throwing, you're thrown into the fire. Here, take everything. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I don't know. But uh, that's basically all the NHL we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. But anyways, guys, that is In the Zone, episode three. Stay tuned, guys.